Is Twitter's fail whale now richer than Shamu? Can I get a help to buy loan on an igloo? Sorry, listeners, sorry for the fact there wasn't an episode last week. Sorry. It's all your fault. You should be sorry. It is my fault. If we'd done the episode, Ollie, it would have sounded like this. A question from Alex. Because uh, I had bronchitis, so I'd lost my voice, and I was coughing all the time, and I wanted to die. I wasn't very well either, thank you And, and Martin the Sandman wasn't very well. Which, of course, is more important than me not being here, you know, uh, half mm. of the uh, main answer me, this duo. That's right. You'd yeah. just be shouting into a vacuum like I'm going to offend you. A couple of you did tweet us, actually, to say that, uh, you know, why didn't you do an episode which was just you and Martin, Ollie? <laughs> Um, I don't want to be arrogant and say that I'm indispensable, but I think in this case... you just bloody have. Yeah. And others of you have suggested that you replace me with Siri. Although, Uh, although... (laughs) There's the cough. Proof (laughs) proof that you're real. (laughs) Thank you, I'm going to do that as often as possible throughout the show. Thanks for your mockery, Ollie. I was coughing up blood, thank you. I coughed so hard I threw up my dinner, thank you. Uh, I was just going to say... Sick note. (laughs) Well, in answer me this, episode 277... Pre-bronchitis era. Yes, as it will forever now be known. We asked you for your anecdotes of when you have urinated in the vicinity of a celebrity. Here's a celebrapist from Phil from London who says, uh, A couple of years ago, I was working in the O2 arena. Mm -hmm. I went to the toilet uh, and found myself having a piss between Michael McIntyre (gasps) and... The short one out of JLS. <laughs> wow. A doubler. A, a double celebrapist requires a lot of technique. You can't look anywhere in the room apart from dead ahead without seeing a celebrity wang. I talked to them a bit throughout the evening, having served them, um, but as the rules of the men's toilets go, no conversation happened urinal to urinal. Correct celebrapist etiquette. Correct. Well, that's pretty starry, but not as starry as this celebrapist from Adam from California, who says... While eating in a post-celebrity-owned eatery, I ran into the celebrity that owned the eatery whilst taking a leak. Okay, so that's one you're probably kind of expecting, but thinking, yeah. I bet that guy's not actually here. No, Was we- it Morgan Freeman, Robert De Niro? Wait, Ollie, wait. As I was doing my business at the urinal, you're not supposed to do a poo at the urinal, <laughs> none other than the Clint Eastwood. Oh. Not oh, a Clint sure. Eastwood, the Clint Eastwood, mm. sidled up next to me to let his dirty Harry out. <laughs> Even if Clint Eastwood was standing next to me at the urinal looking down at my penis, I'd feel safe because he's, his eyesight's probably gone now, hasn't it? He, he's not, he's not going to be able to recall any detail. If he was talking to a chair... Maybe he would yeah. start talking to the rhino. Hi, Helen and Ali. It's Lucy from Sheffield but in Winchester. Helen and Ollie, answer me this. Is it true that Americans don't have Kinder Eggs? And why? Because they're illegal. They are. Contraband. In fact, you can get fined thousands, I, know, I, I heard, I, 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 yeah. for bringing them in. Well... I haven't for seen... smuggling them in in condoms in your stomach. <laughs> I haven't seen any evidence that people have been fined these huge amounts that Customs and Border Protection claim they will charge. Yeah. But certainly, as recently as July last year, US Customs and Border Protection agents seized six of them during a two-hour detention of Whoa. two men flying from Vancouver to Seattle with Kinder Eggs. That's six. That is for um, personal use. And exactly. Yeah. I mean, and I fly home with more bags of Cheetos than that, and those are surely <laughs> illegal here because those things are wrong. Yeah, and they make you buzz for a week. Yeah, wrong uh, and amazing. They turn you orange, well, that's my excuse. Yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> they, uh, they said in the article relating to this, by the way, if you come in with these Kinder Eggs, you will be charged $2,500 per egg. <laughs> 
But I haven't seen the evidence that they actually charged those men two and a half thousand dollars. I wonder if they've actually ever really done it. The eggs are only really worth probably 80 cents if, if, if they were allowed to sell them. Yeah. Do you know they seized apparently more than 60,000 kinder eggs uh, from baggage and international mail in the financial year of 2011. It's such a waste of everyone's life, isn't it? Mm. So anyway, yes, this is illegal and it's illegal because of the risk of choking. Oh, well, it's because of a very specific 1938 Federal Food, Drug and Cosmetic Act, which outlaws candy with any object embedded that doesn't serve a function. So a lollipop stick is functional, but the plastic toy is not functional. That's entertainment. 1938. It's incredible to think what the Americans were fiddling around with in legislature whilst we were preparing to uh, kill the Nazis, isn't it? And also Kinder Eggs, they were a long way off then. Back then it was probably, what, an apple with a wooden toy stuck yeah, in it. sure, okay. But, but the reason... the re- And this is, this is a serious thing, I'm not yes, going to make yes, light of yes. this. The reason it, they, they keep reaffirming their commitment to this is because of the risk of choking. And actually, apparently, three kids have died in the UK from Kinder Eggs and two really? in Europe. So actually, it does. it's a potential choking hazard, and it's choking on the casing of the toy, right? But that's weird, because you would think that there are things like gobstoppers that you're so much more likely to choke on, because yeah. they're supposed to be in your mouth. I know. And they will choke your wimp. And, and I wonder, actually, like, how many children a year choke eating grass? Like, how many choke on a bucket yeah. and spade? Like, kids put things in their mouths anyway. I nearly choke on a throat lozenge the other day. And also, the stupid thing is that someone has managed to get around this ban by manufacturing something that's very similar to Kinder Eggs, but you can see a little rim of plastic in between the two chocolate halves. So you know there's plastic within, except that could easily be yellow chocolate and you could still choke on what's within it's just the fact that you can see it when you unwrap the egg that's not fun either is it because that's not a surprise the point of kinder is that it's a surprise how would it be a surprise if you can see there's a surprise in it there's no surprise there even though the word surprise is written on the packet of kinder surprise but the child suspects kinder suspicions would be like the adult version (laughs) (laughs) with like little play handcuffs in there (laughs) actually there probably are adult kinder eggs somewhere i mean someone in europe must have manufactured those it's such a clever design when you think about it the fact that the casing looks like yolk it never really occurred to me as a child, but it's yellow coloured, isn't it? Can't bloody open them mm. though, can you? Maybe well, that's why people choke, because you try and chew them open. Yes, you do. And actually, I think they've ch- they've changed the design for that reason. I, I didn't realise this because I haven't bought a Kinder Surprise for 20 years. What? But, why, uh, why are you punishing yourself? Well, have, when was the last time you bought one? Probably a couple of years ago. Apparently, they've changed the design since the one you're thinking of. So the, <sighs> the casing we're thinking of is two halves stuck together, right? Impenetrable. Really, really hard yeah, to open. Yeah, really hard yeah. to open. The surprise is you can't open the surprise. What, what? Wah, <laughs> 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 Bit of obcom there. Um, but um, <laughs> they now have one that's on a single hinge so it's just one whole moulded piece of plastic with a single hinge so you just open it like a coffin and that's the surprise where's the danger then where's the danger (laughs) the choking is part of the fun here is another question about plastic toys from Duffy from Northwood who says Ollie answer me this how did Action Man get his scar? Well, never mind the scar. How did he get the string in his back? <laughs> what was the point? He's had a lot of damage in action because he has no genitals. Mm. So the scar really... It's, on, it's on his face, story, isn't it? Isn't it? it is on his face, yes. Yeah. That is just a, mo- a badge of honour, really, isn't it? Showing that he's been in combat. The story of Action Man is, yes, that he got his scar through... Uh, action. Yes, through action. Um, he was in a bitch fight with G.I. Joe. He was he was wounded in action, is what he was. No, he can't be in a bitch fight with G.I. Joe, Helen, because he is one and the same. Uh, action Man yes, and G.I. Joe don't share territories. No, but a lot of people are self-hating. <laughs> it's the ultimate Jekyll it's and like, Hyde story. It's like Fight Club. <laughs> Possibly. Um, so yes, yeah, Americans who don't know, we have G.I. Joe in this country, we call him Action Man, he's otherwise identical. Because G.I. just didn't mean anything Not to the British thing. market. That's right. Action, however. Yeah, we're all about the action. We are, so much. Um, the reason he has a scar is because if he has a scar, you can copyright the doll. 
Without the scar, he's just human male form, which is much harder to copyright. Now, I take issue with that. Why doesn't Barbie have a scar then? Well, <laughs> why don't they move to lay Barbie's face? <laughs> well, maybe maybe Barbie carries emotional scars from all the plastic surgery. Yeah, probably from, from trying to pump herself up in various different outfits to appeal to Ken. Mm. Um, well, you're never going to get him, Barbie, because he's not interested in women. Well, <laughs> well, okay, I actually agree. I think um, probably when it came down to it, especially a company like Hasbro or Mattel or mm. whatever, you know, if they took it to court, if they, if another company came along and came up with Warman. <laughs> you would be able to say, Warman. actually, we came up first in the market with the idea of a, a doll that is based on a man that's wearing military clothes that appeals to boys. And we came up with the action man concept and you've stolen it. And actually, probably you could copyright that, but it just makes uh, it much easier if you put the scar on because then it's a clear copyright issue. Yeah, it's got a scar, it's action man. Yeah, but then you could make Warman with a blemish-free mm. face, but a bad knee. Yeah, and that's fine. Right. Give them some shrapnel. But it means that Action Man can be distinguished from the uh, rip-off ones. Well, I, but I think kids can tell. I think kids are incredibly uh, yes. picky and brand loyal. If you yeah. brought a kid who wants an Action Man, a Warman, Man, yeah. they'd be furious. They would. Well, allow me, Ollie, to blow your mind even further with a little tidbit of information about another way in which Hasbro attempted to prevent potential design infringement. G.I. Joe's thumbnail was on the wrong side of his thumb. It was on the side where the thumbprint would be. This was just a mistake uh, in early samples. Pretty big mistake, isn't it? But they decided to keep it because that sorted out the fakes from the real. Mm. I've got another fact about uh, scars. Great. um, (laughs) In this context. Right. uh, Which is that it might go to help explain why they've retained the scar over the years. uh, And that's that women Mm. apparently find... Find scars sexy. Yes. But uh, do they find 12-inch plastic dolls sexy? Um, <laughs> well, yes. Where are they putting these Very different men? dolls. Mm. Um, this is a study from the universities of Liverpool and Stirling working together on this important research. And who'd have thought anything could bring those rivals together? <laughs> they did a study asking 100 or so, I think it was 112 or something. Not a big enough sample Not, not very many, no, mm. but enough for a silly press release. Yeah. Uh, asking over 100 women to rank in order of attractiveness pictures of different men. Apparently, the men that had slight facial scarring were ranked as men they would be more likely and interested to have a brief fling with than the men who didn't, but when it came to long-term relationships, they ranked equally. That, to me, does not seem to be influential in the action man sales pitch, because they're not asking these women to rank whether you find a man with scarring or a plastic doll with fuzzy hair and a swivelly neck I'm certainly not saying that the merchandise designers consider this fact when marketing to children but I'm talking in terms of cause and effect here isn't it interesting that a generation of women who perhaps grew up seeing the action man doll and perhaps James Bond as well often has a scar on his face might be programmed to think a man like that he's a bit reckless you wouldn't settle down with him but he'd be a good shag I don't think women find scars attractive because of action man I think they find well, scars attractive and Action Man has one. It's because it shows that someone has had a bit of life. Had a bit They're, of a life, yeah. Perfection on a man is, it can seem a bit weird. Like Zac Efron doesn't seem masculine in his uh, high yeah, school musical incarnation. Mean, yes. Like that kind of boyish look often, it's the young girls and the gay men that go for. Apparently it's different um, at various times of the month because another study has been done. I don't have the exact figures. Another but really probably, important piece of work, yes. scientific work. So I think they showed women pictures of girly face celebrities this was the 90s they showed them Leonardo DiCaprio mm-hmm. and around the time they were ovulating women found girly looking men more attractive because they associated them with men that if they procreated with them they were more likely to stick around uh, but, but whereas that's... the rugged ones were the ones yeah. you know they would shag at other times of the month okay but then those are the ones who are the typical hunter-gatherer, I suppose. Exactly. Like, in a way, they might feel tied down by a baby, and yet the boyish-looking men, they're going to be the ones that have got teenage girls flinging themselves at them. 
I actually no, we're going more primal. of a risk. I'm not sure that in, in cave times yes. that was such a, a problem. <laughs> you know, pinning up on your cave wall. Yeah. What would you even use to attach sap? Yeah. No, that's a good that point. That poster. That's a good point. I've got the question. Then email your question to answer me this podcast at googlemail.com. 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 Here's a question from Hilda from Norway who says, Ollie, answer me this. Who came up with self tanning lotion? Why are you asking me, Hilda? Why, why indeed? Well, Ollie's, Ollie's never touched any. I've never touched the fake tan. Natural glow. <laughs> That's right. Natural glow. Every time I walk in the salon, they're like, whoa, Winton, how did you get like that? All on your own. <laughs> One of the uh, dancers in Strictly Come Dancing a couple of weeks ago had um, two doses of fake tan. So it looked like he was trying to black up to match his celebrity partner. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he was. Maybe. Oh, it was awkward. Mm. Hilda says, how did it catch on? And when did the colour go from a normal tan to the colour of an orange. Now, I'd actually argue that the predominant colour of fake tan nowadays has actually come back towards light brown again. I think it's less orange. I think in in the very beginning of tanning, they did not have the technology to make it uh, an appropriate colour for a human being rather than a fruit. The technology is innovating and improving all the time. Um, But like all these things, actually, I think this is more about fashion. I think it's more that it's celebrity-led. If you think about how the Beckhams looked 10 years ago to Mm. how they look now, they are less orange now. And it's not just because... He's tattooed most of his visible skin. No, it's because the fashion has moved to looking a bit more... And I think it's because Mm. you've got these paler women being very fashionable themselves you know film stars that seem to be sexy even though they were very pale well also it's it's like everything isn't it when it catches on with the commoners then the trend reverses yes so it was a posh trend wasn't it to be pale because it suggested you'd never have to go out in the sun like a poor person yes and then coco chanel decided that tanning was fashionable and then they invented fake tans it is often the case that people credit coco chanel because they say that her sort of stepping off a yacht in antibes or whatever it was in 1925 everyone was like oh, okay you can have money and have a tan she was a, she must have had great pr because you know everyone's like oh she invented the little black dress she she cribbed it from servants uniforms <laughs> and and then managed to get everyone who was rich to buy one well done her, I suppose. And Chanel number five actually was just from the natural odour of servants as well, it's if a- you know that. <laughs> it's actually floor cleaner. <laughs> um, but the point is, even though everyone talks about Coco Chanel inspiring mm. this, you can inspire the fashion for a tan, but of course for about, as far as I can work out, three decades after that, yeah. people aspired to get that tan simply by sitting in the sun. Yeah, didn't they would it- really frazzle themselves, they'd frazzle they? themselves. It didn't occur to them that there'd be a product to do this for you. So it wasn't actually until the 1950s uh, that we saw the beginnings of the first fake tan bottled product. Uh, it was called Mantan. Yeah! <laughs> oh. And it still is now because of its most faithful user. <laughs> and um, like many fake tan lotions today, its active ingredient was dihydroxyacetone. That's interesting because most active ingredients in pharmaceuticals have changed a bit in, 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 in the last 60 odd years, you know, in, in cosmetics and stuff. Yeah, well, I guess this is a natural thing. It's derived from sugarcane. It causes a reaction in your skin's amino acids, the DHA, oh, that really? causes them to go brown. Um, I read that the reason why they discovered this was uh, because a, a nurse in the 1920s spilt some DHA on a diabetes patient she was trying to treat with it because it's from sugarcane, and oh, it turned yeah. them brown. And she thought, in the future... In 30 years' time, Mantan's be... going to really think this is great. <laughs> I don't believe that story. No, Although why... I suppose these things have to be invented somehow, don't yeah, they? Yeah, no, but I've, why the 30-year gap? I know that there were some world wars to fight, but 
just doesn't seem that convincing. Well, actually, in truth, there's another 30-year gap between that product being invented in the 1950s and mm. then actually fake tan lotion really beginning to sell in the 1980s. Is that because people suddenly became aware of the ageing and damaging effects of the sun? No, oh. but very nearly. Oh. It's because people suddenly became aware of the ageing and very damaging effects of sunbeds. Uh, oh. Because in the 1980s, sunbeds were a huge growth industry. By growth, you mean melanomas? <laughs> yeah. And suddenly people in the UK were able to have a tan, mm. even if, well, not just the UK, anywhere, Northern Europe or whatever, mm. able to have a tan even if they couldn't before. It was only people who could afford to go on package holidays that had the tans. Yeah. And that grew and grew all the way through the 80s. And then suddenly there was all this research saying, oh, but it gives you cancer. Mm. Um, and so that's why suddenly at that point, people who had become used to having orange skin turned to fake tan bottles. Uh, and as you say, at first, they hadn't quite modified the solution down so that it is quite as advanced and clever as it is now. So you, actually, it used to stink a bit, didn't it? And it used to make you yeah. buy orange. I didn't smell of biscuits or something. That was its notorious stench. Yeah, that's what people said. I always thought it smelled a bit of like, stale tea bags, but it's a similar sort of thing. Well, that's interesting because apparently during the Second World War, people used to smear themselves with tea bags to uh, get a kind of fake tan look. Why would you need that during the war? You had other concerns, Yeah, but you surely. still want to look nice so you can have sex with all the GIs. <laughs> Don't you just look a bit like you've got dirt around your look, face? Look, Martin, they were painting their legs with gravy browning so they couldn't afford stockings. So, you know, there was a lot of suspension of disbelief at the yeah. time. Uh, have you ever been on a sunbed? Um, my dad has a sunbed at home. Does he? Does he ever use it? He, well, he's got psoriasis, so he uses oh. it in bursts to try and cure that. Oh, OK, that's different then, because um, that's stimulating vitamin D. It has a medicinal purpose. And, yeah. um, but the really rank thing is when he uses it and then bits of his flaky skin ah, are on the bed ah, underneath, ah. and then we have a guest staying over and we forget to change the sheets. Well, it's happened oh, a few oh, times. It's not like the ones which are a George Foreman grill that you can fit a human in. Is, <laughs> yeah, it's a clamshell is, type. Yeah, is it no. a more portable device? No, no, it's not at all portable. Oh. It, it's just a lamp, so mm. it doesn't oh, have the bottom okay. half. You lie on a bed and the lamp goes over your body and then you have to flip yourself over and halfway then you have through. to flip yourself over halfway mm. through but then if you do have guests around use the vacuum <laughs> or change the sheet or change the sheets yeah it's not hard is or it? or he could just lay a tanning sheet over the top of the bed couldn't yeah. he I, I guess anything like that would be seen by my father to be a bit puffy so he'd rather wow. he'd rather have his flaky skin all over the bed than compromise his masculinity in he, such a way he has a very perturbing values system he was born in 1945 Helen I don't Things know were different much then. we can do about it he used to smear himself with tea bags that's right yeah. <laughs> every woman he ever saw was smeared in tea <laughs> I always wanted my website to look pretty but with my rudimentary skills it always looked shitty how can I make it all modern and stylish and witty well I'll tell you with Squarespace.com there's tons of templates to use And loads of fonts and plugins and colours to choose It only took me 20 minutes to build my shrine to Tom Cruise The thinking man's crumpet Yes, this episode is brought to you by the generosity of Squarespace and they're being very generous to you listeners because along with the free fortnight of tinkering with the Squarespace product of uh, building yourself a fancy website, uh, you can also get 10% off if you want to buy that website forevermore and uh, the code you enter to do that is answer11. That's right. Number 11, not word 11. Correct. But also, if you make a particularly beautiful website, and it's difficult not to using Squarespace... Yeah, not just beauty, functional. Yeah, true. I mean, what's the point of superficial beauty in a website if it doesn't do anything? Pinterest? Uh, (laughs) Don't know. Anyway, yes, you're right. Beautiful and functional website. Uh, If you create one of those, be sure to tweet a link to it using the hashtag... AMT Squarespace uh, and at the end of the month the end of November we're going to choose our favourite uh, and then uh, Squarespace will reward you with a completely free website for a whole year uh, and that includes by the way you know as much storage space for music and stuff that you want to sell oh, or display good. as you want and 
the domain name. You get the URL free with Squarespace as well. So That's a storage space. You could, could really go to town with that. Time for a question of drink now. It is from Emma and Tom, who say, Helen, answer me this. What is the difference between ginger ale and... Well, what they say is, what's the difference between ginger ale and beer? But I think we all know that. Yeah. They mean what's the difference between ginger ale and ginger beer. Right, well, the difference is ginger ale is rubbish and ginger beer is brilliant. Okay. Ginger ale is very weak tasting, isn't it? Is it? Is it more diluted? Is that it? Well, no, well, well, ginger beer technically is fermented, whereas ginger ale is just ginger-flavoured carbonated water. Fine. So can you get alcoholic ginger ale? I guess that's the point. I think theoretically you could... But it would be a mixer, wouldn't it? Someone would yeah. have taken ginger ale, the soft drink, and mixed it with a shot of something. Ginger ale's a mixer generally, isn't it? Would you have it with the... Um... Weak piss. Whiskey? Do you have whiskey and ginger? Probably. Possibly. I, I'm saying this like I'm not interested. I love ginger beer, but I yes. just don't think about it. I like crabbies a lot. Alcoholic just, ginger beer. Alcoholic ginger beer is brilliant. But it's, it's not... It, it's, it's like fifth on the repertoire of drinks. Old, I have it like once every couple of months and I'll have one because it's really sugary. Old Jamaica, like old Jamaica ginger beer old Jamaica is, is, amazing. is, is yeah. the best. Yeah, it's because the way Very gingery. You want, yeah, exactly. You yeah. want your ginger drink to be gingery, whereas <laughs> yeah. ginger ale doesn't even taste of ginger. It just yeah. tastes like watered-down rubbish. You don't want to gingerly be drinking your ginger drink. God, no. <laughs> you want to be wincing slightly, like when you have a really hot wasabi pee. Yes. Hello, this is Anna from Bristol. Helen and Ollie asked me this. I am eating some Marmite on bread and I really like Marmite. I eat it all the time. And I was just wondering whether Marmite is actually good for you in any way, like it says on the packet, or whether it is actually just like eating fortified salt yeast. Well, it is both those things. It is good for you because it is fortified salt yeast. But it has been fortified with folic acid which can uh, help against anemia uh, it's it's full of b vitamins which are very useful for you a lack of b vitamins can contribute to depression and things like vitamin b2 give you lovely hair and nails it's high in vitamin b12 which elderly people are often short of but the most important thing scientists think but they are testing this at the moment on rodents is that it's high in niacin which is vitamin b3 and they think this helps boost the body's defenses against staphylococcus bacteria which uh, one of which is uh, mrsa Mm. Uh, they say it could boost your defences up to a thousandfold. But on the other hand, I reckon to really reap the nutritional benefit of any of these vitamins, you would have to eat more Marmite than the human body can stomach because it is so salty. And usually you're eating it in a tiny quantity. You know what uh, Marmite apparently is good for, though? Repelling mosquitoes. But I don't know whether it's good at that if you eat it or if you smear your body with it. Because if you're smeared with Marmite, then you're going to repel everything. Mm. Except for Marmite lovers who are going to come and lick you, but they are perverts. I, d- I just don't think they would. I don't think the taste of Marmite on skin is... You wouldn't want it near the bed sheets, would you? That's the thing. Even if you liked it temporarily in the moment, the shame afterwards of having a bed that smelled of Marmite. Mm. Mm, Unless you had black bed sheets, like kind of 80s sleaze. Yeah. But even then, you you would smell yeasty. I wonder if Peter Stringfellow has ever smeared his penis with Marmite. That's basically what we're speculating to, isn't it? I bet he has. I bet he He's done most things, hasn't he? And also, he is now one of the elderly, so he would benefit from the vitamin B12. He's probably just got confused one day. Probably thought it was toast. He likes a tan. Mm. Maybe he thought, (laughs) I'll be a rich mahogany if I put the marmite on. Please send us an email. We love to keep in touch. If you send us an email, we'll like you very much. It's podcast at googlemail.com. That's podcast at googlemail.com. So please send us an email, or we won't know you're there. And if we like your email, we'll read it out on air. This is from Maz from London. Uh, she says, I've recently gone through 
a traumatic breakup. Uh, the kind where you lie in bed all day sobbing into one of his old t-shirts. Sometimes you just want the smell of the person. Mm. Uh, I am a lover of movies, says Maz. I thought maybe I'd cheer myself up by watching some films. Mm-hmm. Um, presumably not ones in which a, a spinster ends up alone. Um, but I didn't fancy anything too heavy. Fair enough. Yes. It's not the time to be watching Bergman, yeah, is it? <laughs> no one wants 12 Years a Slave when they're <laughs> trying to make themselves feel better. Although it is a heavy contender for the Oscars, isn't uh, it? It is, yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, but at the same time, says Maz, I don't want to watch anything too brain-numbingly stupid. Fair enough, that leaves a lot of films available to you. That's right, yeah. Rom-coms would be a perfect genre for my mood. Of heartbreak, yeah, um, of course, brilliant. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> well diagnosed, Maz. I know, what she, no, I know what she means. She says being light-hearted and funny with serious and heartfelt moments. Okay. That's, that's true, isn't it? You know, the tone is essentially light-hearted. It's digestible, isn't it? There'll be dramatic turns, but nothing too serious in most of them. It'll be colourful. Exactly. Uh, however, she says, the idea of watching people ending up together and living happily ever after makes me feel physically ill. Uh, so, Helen, answer me this. Are there any rom-coms where the couple don't get together at the end, <laughs> but everyone involved is still happy with themselves and their lives? Um, she says, uh, ironically, as a postscript, uh, I tried P.S. I love you, uh, because I read in the synopsis that the husband died. Woo! <laughs> Um, And so I was pretty confident that the ending wouldn't involve the inception of a new relationship so soon after the death of a spouse, but I was wrong. Uh, Also, isn't that a Hilary Swank film? She's not made many good films, and the good films she has made are not rom-coms. My experience with rom-coms is limited since I was about 16. We were lucky, in a way, to... To grow up in the golden era of rom-coms, the late 80s, early 90s. Exactly. I I think I I was... uh, I, I'm old enough that I remember when Harry Met Sally coming out at the cinema. Mm. Now, I didn't go and see it, obviously. You were not old enough to go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I remember it coming out, and I remember yeah. Four Weddings and a Funeral coming out yes. and hearing about that. And then when I went to the cinema, there were some decent things like Groundhog Day. Action films were starting to become the ascendant, though, weren't they, at the time? Yes. But it still meant that comedy I had horror. a good grounding, I think, in, yeah. in rom-coms. And, and the golden era of Richard Curtis before he went really terrible too. Okay, well, that's like half the film then, isn't it? I think that's harsh. Tall Guy, Four Weddings and a Funeral Tall guy. and Notting Hill are all perfectly watchable good films. Yes. But they all end up with the protagonist getting together with his They do, so not good for this situation. Yes. All right, so all right. what can we suggest? Okay. Sliding Doors. Do they not get together at the end of well, Sliding Doors? Well, I don't want to spoiler it, but well, things just happen. Have. Yeah. They kind of don't get together at the end of it. Okay. There's, a, there's a frisson of like graduate-like potential. Okay. Well, I'd say when Harry met Sally, it's almost immaterial that they get together because it's so near the end. You could just stop five minutes before the end. And it is about... Something else. Well, it's kind of about the dangers of them getting together. Yeah. So even if at the end it's sort of you're supposed to feel happy they get together, it's still fraught with difficulties and you don't know it's yeah. going to work out, yeah. do you? I'd say Strictly Ballroom as well. It barely matters that they kind of get together at the end because it is about other things. Mm. Celeste and Jesse Forever is a recent film that was about a couple who have already split up uh-huh. and it's about the friendship they have afterwards and that going wrong-ish. So there you don't have to worry about them. Uh, that, you know, It's already happened. They're already in your position. Okay. And then um, Kissing Jessica Stein, that's um, a lesbian couple that don't end up together. Uh, before Midnight, I haven't seen it, but I understand it has a lot of marital arguments in it. 
Hmm. So maybe they don't end up together. Some like it hot. I, I don't know if that quite counts as a rom-com, but it's certainly a caper. It certainly yeah. involves love, and they definitely don't get together at the end because one of them's a transvestite. Right. What about what about Harold and Maud? The, the classic one, I would say, in this genre. In fact, some would say the the prototype for romantic comedies is Annie Hall. And of oh, course, oh, there must yeah. be a lot of Woody Allen pictures yeah. where the the punchline is, "And I slept with her sister," and yeah. it all went wrong. <laughs> yeah. well, but particularly in Annie Hall, it's about them both feeling comfortable with the fact they split up at the end. Isn't and it? and yeah. also, it's not a relationship you envy. And I think maybe that's important. Maybe maybe what you want out of the rom-com Maz, where it's kind of aspirational, but they don't end up together at the end. Maybe you should be looking at friend relationships. So something like Babette's Feast or, or watching oh. Gilmore Girls, the TV series. Or you can even watch 30 Rock because it has the same kind of gloss to, as a rom-com. But Liz Lemon's love life is mm. firstly not of primary importance and secondly pretty rubbish. Probably better to avoid love stories at all, isn't it? I'm not sure I agree with okay. Maz's thinking. Isn't it better just to watch Knockabout Slapstick? I mean, wouldn't you be mm. better watching Laurel and Hardy if you want to cheer yourself up? Yeah. Or, or okay, here are some suggestions. Not exactly rom-com, but they, they seem to have the kind of vaguely romantic repartee you you want but don't want at the same time rear window mm. yeah, romantic. <laughs> that's, that's about a sinister guy spying on people he's not sinister he is a bit he's, i know it's directed sympathetically so you're not thinking Jimmy he's sinister Stewart. how can he be sinister <laughs> but he's he is spying on people yeah but it's a, a thriller with comic elements and i'd also say the graduate because firstly yeah. not a relationship you envy secondly it is very funny but in a kind of horrible way mm. cabaret not a rom-com and they don't end up together <laughs> they don't end up together and that's yeah. what she wanted it's not that happy either it does end in the holocaust what if about you, planes trains and automobiles that's a good one. excellent suggestion Martin. in fact most john hughes films for this sort of occasion of heartbreak i think are a good suggestion black widow <laughs> where she kills all the guys so she can't end up with him that's a good movie well i think we've done all we can with this question we've offered many many titles there uh, but it could be listeners that as you're thinking you know exactly the right title that got you through your heartbreak yeah and maybe in fact a lot of listeners have a different genre that they preferred maybe they preferred watching things where everyone was blowing stuff up and punching each other maybe yeah like the aggression yeah. i think i would go for musicals i haven't really ever known heartbreak but i think oh. as always in these occasions i would default to beauty and the beast <laughs> which is a love story so that's really sweet just makes me feel good um oh. or mary poppins anyway anyway listeners. Uh, if you have a suggestion that yeah. you would like to recommend to maz from london of a film that uh, ends not with the couple getting together but is uplifting and fun mm. uh, then please send them through uh, and all the uh, contact details for us are listed on our website answermethispodcast.com and you can also use those contact details to send us a question indeed and actually also on that website uh, you can click through and get our love film trial so uh, if if this idea of watching lots of box sets of things appeals to you you can get a free month of love film and we get money from them if you do Twin Peaks they don't really end up together in that (laughs) so you can try that Dawson's Creek's on there he's always lovelorn yes he is Uh, also I'll, I'll put a link on there to the other podcast that I make Sound Women uh, which is a monthly mm. podcast it's about the radio industry but uh, this month I interviewed Charlotte Church briefly don't have to be interested in the radio industry to be interested in Charlotte Church she, do you? no she was talking Fellas. about the objectification of uh, young women so hey, thanks for that hey how about that boys yeah. <laughs> nice reinforcement you're a monster uh, no it's good it's good it's a good podcast I can say uh, anyway you can find it at soundcloud.com slash soundwomen anyone else got any side projects they want to plug Ollie? What nope. have you been up to? No, you've <laughs> got an empty life, just this. There's yeah. still the, the, the existential meltdown of them, still out. Uh, that's, oh, yes, fundraising. Uh, fundraising. All the kids on the street are saying, R- isn't Raising it? money for the arts emergency charity. Available at? Uh, existentialmeltdown.bandcamp.com. Gives you more than enough to do until next week's show. Sure does. And we'll see you then. Bye! Bye.